The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McClain. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Well, hello and welcome to State of the Nation. It's another wonderful day. I am Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore. Brian Hesher McLean will be joining us in the second hour, but uh, he's still uh, on assignment, as we say here in the TNT studios. But uh, the good news is we will chat with him before long. And, of course, you can you can watch the proceedings as well. That's what's so great now that we've got TNT Radio is really it's not just TNT radio now. It's TNT radio and, uh, well, TV, if you like, YouTube and Rumble and just about any streaming video platform. You can you can watch us live as well as hear us. And, of course, you can always just stream us uh, on, the, on the air while you're driving in the car and you don't have to watch us. But we've got a big, big show for you today. Looking forward to it. Want to talk about um, the house. It looks like the house. This week, as you may know or may not know, uh, coming up on the fifteenth, the House takes its uh, the Congress takes its uh, its uh, holiday break, and they won't be back until after the New Year, and that starts on the fifteenth, which is uh, by my count three days from now. That means either today, tomorrow, or the following day, the House is going to launch uh, launch an official impeachment inquiry. They're going to formalize it. I'm reading here from USA Today. It's a piece written by Speaker Mike Johnson. So he's kind of just putting this out there, let everybody know. He says, impeachment is among the most solemn constitutional authorities the U.S. Congress holds, particularly when it comes to a president. As a constitutional lawyer and a former member of the House Judiciary Committee, I've encouraged my colleagues to carefully consider the gravity of impeachment proceedings and the facts surrounding the current investigation into President Joe Biden's conduct. This week, the House will vote to take the next critical step by formalizing our impeachment inquiry into President Biden. It's about time. Uh, The Oversight, Judiciary, and Ways and Means Committees will continue investigating the role of the president in promoting the alleged influence peddling schemes of his family and associates, the orchestration of which reaped millions of dollars in payments from America's foreign adversaries. This really, they say it's alleged, but let's be honest, that's exactly what happened. We know what happened. That's me, not not Speaker Johnson. He goes on. The committee, the committees will uh, also will further investigate statements made by the president concerning his knowledge and involvement in those schemes and the role his administration might have played in covering up alleged wrongdoing. You don't say. Uh, The House has a full plate of pressing issues, and we do not take this inquiry lightly. Our southern border is wide open. American families are struggling to make ends meet. And a perception of American weakness has thrust the world into a state of chaos. He's not kidding. Uh, At any rate, he goes on. He says, at this juncture, uh, yet at this juncture, the evidence mounting against, against President Biden cannot be ignored. And the pushback from the White House and others must be addressed. Here are the accusations against the president. And here's where he gives the laundry list of all of, uh, well, not maybe not all in detail, but kind of a general nutshell of what this corrupt, grifting joke of a president has done. From 2014 to 2019, Biden family members and their affiliate companies 
received more than $15 million from foreign companies and foreign nationals in Ukraine, Russia, Kazakhstan, Romania, and China. Biden Business Associates received an additional $9 million. Want to know why Biden is so weak on China? That might have something to do with it, right? Then he says there are also uh, at least 22 examples of Joe Biden speaking with or meeting with Hunter Biden's foreign business associates. Now, you'll recall it was just a few days ago when President Biden was pressed on this as he was walking away from a podium and he stopped and he turned and he said, they're lies. They're all lies. It's not, ha- it never happened. It's lies. There are 22 examples of Joe Biden doing exactly what he claims were lies. Everything from photographs to phone messages, uh, photographs on golf courses, photographs in uh, in restaurants. So it's a joke. Then he says, President Biden and the White House have lied multiple times about this involvement in his family's business schemes. Last week, investigators re- released information showing payments to Joe Biden from Hunter Biden's business account, which was funded by payments from China. Investigators also released an interim report detailing the special treatment Hunter Biden received from Joe Biden's Justice Department. A credible FBI source relayed information about an alleged bribe Joe Biden accepted during his time as vice president. So there's a lot here. There's a lot to digest. There's a lot to investigate. And this investigation is not going to stop. It'll take a break during the holidays, but uh, apparently this impeachment inquiry is forthcoming any minute, any hour, any day. Uh, up until the 15th. So we got a few days, maybe by the end of the show, they will have announced it. The accusations, uh, this is Mike Johnson, uh, Speaker Johnson again. The accusations refute the president's repeated claims that he had no knowledge of his son's foreign business dealings and that his son had, quote, not made money, unquote, from China. We know he did. The White House has withheld thousands of pages of documents and emails from the National Archives where then-Vice President Joe Biden was communicating under pseudonyms clearly designed to avoid public scrutiny. What is the president hiding? So there you go. And I tell you, it looks like um, they've got the goods on this guy. And you can tell they've got the goods just by the reaction from the media and just by the reaction from fellow Democrats like Jamie Raskin and the rest. Uh, It is a little bit rich to hear these people make this claim that you know, it's all, this is all political BS. This is a charade, given the fact that what they put Donald Trump through and what they're still putting Donald Trump through, which genuinely is BS, uh, this family is so utterly corrupt, utterly corrupt. So maybe we'll get into a little bit of that because we've got a great show today. I'll be joined a little bit later by Emerald Robinson. Uh, We've also got Dustin Olson, pollster extraordinaire coming up. We'll talk with our good buddy Gene Valentino as well. He, of course, the host of the Truthcast podcast. And and we'll also uh, talk with Scott Shepard, who is the... uh, He's a fellow at the National Center for Public Policy Research and the director of its Free Enterprise Project. We're going to talk with him about George Soros and the and the uh, the evil role that George Soros plays in essentially trying to destroy Western civilization. I mean, I can't think of any other way of putting it. He's gone after. I mean, he got his start by destroying the British pound and basically unseating a conservative prime minister in England way back in the day. And he hasn't stopped. George Soros is a real-life Bond villain. 
And I don't know what his, uh, you know, what, what his, I mean, I know what his ideology is. He's a screaming leftist, but I don't understand his hard on of hate that he has uh, for Western civilization, but he does. So we'll uh, weigh in on that with, uh, with our friend um, Scott Shepard, because I'm sure he has an awful lot to say about that. So it's going to be a big show is what I'm telling you. Hey, at TNT Radio, we never go home. And I mean it. We never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7 online globally, no matter what, no matter where. We've got you covered on TNT Radio. Your voice heard here. The government needs to step up and do its job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, let's uh, let's welcome our friend Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus, to the mix here. Uh, get this, Brandon Johnson, the mayor of Chicago, uh, has come up with a new plan to stop the flow of illegal border crossing uh, crossers into his city. <laughs> Reportedly, he's suing the bus companies that are transferring them there. Oh, this is great. So that that's it. Let's go after the bus companies uh, and and ignore the, uh, the the real problem. Ruckus, what's the story here, man? Well, I mean, this might be considered by some a completely backwards idea uh, that basically lets Biden off the hook. It should be noted. Um, but yeah, uh, in case you missed it, amid this impressive, uh, not like the good kind of impressive, uh, massive uh, illegal immigration crisis to show how serious they are. Republican governors have, of course, been sending illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities and other locations throughout the country, helping alleviate the burden on border states and hopefully drawing attention to the crisis, therefore putting pressure on the Biden administration to, you know, enforce the law. Um, they've been shipping them out. The uh, GOP governors have uh, been busing. That's their their popular way of doing it. They use buses, right? So they've been busing migrants to New York City, Washington, D.C., Massachusetts, and, of course, the Windy City, Chicago. In fact, according to the Chicago, 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 wow, Chicago, Tribune. Sorry, folks. According to the Tribune, more than 460 buses have arrived with illegal immigrants in Chicago since May. So here is the solution, according to the mayor, uh, apparently, uh, at least according to the Tribune, um, the Johnson administration uh, has begun filing lawsuits against the busing companies, the ones who are physically responsible for the transportation of migrants, as if it's their fault, right? Um, I This could evolve quickly or devolve into a, I was just doing my job kind of conversation. But the Tribune reported, quote, the care of more than 24,400 migrants who have arrived in Chicago since August 2022 has taken on heightened urgency as winter sets in and tested the limits of how welcoming the city can be. The city has filed 55 lawsuits since it implemented new rules about when and where buses can arrive in mid-November, the law department said. The lawsuits address 77 total buses accused of violating the rules, and public records show at least some cases are seeking fines against the bus companies, end quote. Oh, wow. Uh, a spokesman for the mayor's office, Casio Mendoza, Mendoza, can't speak names today, in a statement to the Tribune slammed 
quote unquote, rogue, uncoordinated buses. That's what they call these things. Now, they're rogue buses. Uh, They claim that they are endangering the lives of migrants and called for bus companies to be held accountable. See, it's all the bus company's fault, Steve. Isn't that rich? What do you think about this one? I just, well, I think it's, I think it's rich. I just, you know, I mean, these are Democrats protecting Democrats who are not protecting illegal uh, immigrants. Um, meanwhile, it's not lost on anyone today that Blodemir was in the uh, was in the in D.C. inside the Beltway, pleading for more money. Uh, Biden and the Democrats seem to be way more concerned about Ukraine's border than they are our border. And I'm very happy to report that it looks like the that the Republicans will not buckle on this. And it must be said that some moderate Dems have even kind of com- uh, condemned this, but. To sue the bus, you're going to sue an American bus company uh, for doing it. For yeah, it is doing its job. Uh, what I guess what they're trying to do, uh, Ruckus, it sounds to me like it's trying. What they're trying to do is to scare all bus companies away from following the directives of Governor Abbott in Texas and other governors uh, that are saying, you know what, move them on over. Um, I think it's I think it's horrendous. I think it's an unbelievably stupid move, but. You know what? I guess if you try and what was it? Eric Adams came back from the D, from D.C. this week and he said help is not on the way. So what's happening to all these mayors uh, in these blue cities and all these governors in these blue states is they're knocking on the White House door and the White House is not answering. They're saying, nope, you deal with it. I mean, that's isn't that your take, Ruckus? Oh, yeah, no, it's clearly meant to be serving a, a message like it's a message like. You know, they're trying to make an example out of these these with these lawsuits so that other bus companies allegedly, supposedly would think twice before they what do their job. They're like somebody shoves some money in your hand and wants to hire you to move people from one place to another. And that's what you do. Now you have to scrutinize. They're putting pressure on the bus company the way that the government was putting pressure on social media to, you know, monitor like health misinformation or whatever they called it during the pandemic. And. The voter thing, the election, was it rigged, wasn't it? Oh, you can't say that here. Well, I thought it was a free speech. Sit down and shut up. Uh, it's yeah. just to make an example out of people so that other people would just self-censor. So I think this is the, the same kind of a thing right here. Um, and, and I would argue that this to do that is kind of illegal. Um, I don't I don't not a lawyer, but you're, you're basically threatening somebody's business by doing this kind of stuff. But I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Yeah, it's it's it certainly is interesting. I mean, it's a it's a it is a strange. It's it's quite the leap, huh? We've got a problem with the illegals, so let's sue the bus companies. Let not let's sue the federal government. Not let's uh, let, not let's petition the Congress. Not let's do any of the things that we're supposed. Not let's secure the border, which of course we take a constitutional oath to do. None of that counts. We're going to sue the private companies. Unbelievable. But yet in this day and age, so believable, isn't it, Ruckus? It's so scary. And how much you want to bet that if uh, they decided, okay, well, we'll just we'll pay the bus companies instead to drive these people back home where they came from. Well, then they'd be like, oh, you just kidnapped them. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, boy. Well, I have a funny feeling that, as I mentioned, Vladimir Zelensky is out hat in hand uh, in his camos and, uh, you know, wearing his wearing his khakis. Looking like the tough guy as he locks up priest and everybody else that doesn't see things his way in Ukraine. 
Uh, and he's looking for millions and billions of dollars and uh, not a dime for the U.S. border. It's absolutely pathetic. But Ruckus, as always, brother, thank you for another wonderful story. I appreciate that, man. Hey, thanks, Steve. We'll do it again tomorrow. Take care. Yeah, we will. You take care of yourself. Well, there he goes. There's Ruckus. Uh, what a story, man. I tell you what, if we can't secure our border, I don't know how many times it has to be said. If we don't secure our border, we don't have a country. I mean, it's just absurd. It really is absurd. You're listening to State of the Nation with me, Steve Hook. Brian Hesher McLean will be joining us at the top of the next hour, so that's good. We take a real short break. We come back, and Emerald Robinson will be joining us on State of the Nation coming up on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there, and Biden was behind it pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. To, I bet you more than 50% didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war uh, it went to people's pockets kind of like what we have in in uh, palestine uh with the u.s since since well under biden uh, trump shut this down thank god but under biden obama they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world these people are at, have been after israel forever and and uh, supported by iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them not uh, you know basically uh chaos in the Middle East, terrorism, and, and we saw what happened earlier this year, about a month ago, uh, the two one attack in Israel and the death and destruction, rape and kidnapping, more than 240 people kidnapped. Joe Hoft on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Okay, well, special counsel Jack Smith is planning to introduce Trump's phone records in an obvious political hit job. Uh, joining us to discuss the weaponization of politics is our friend Emerald Robinson from The Absolute Truth with Emerald Robinson on Frank Speech. Uh, well, hello, Emerald. Welcome to State of the Nation. How are you today? It's lovely to see you. I'm doing well, Steve. How are you? Good to see you. Yeah, thanks. I'm doing very good. Jack Smith, uh, boy, howdy. Uh, th this is this is something else. Um, first, he's trying to speed this thing along by putting pressure on SCOTUS uh, mm -hmm. to get this trial underway, hopefully wrapped with a conviction before the election. We know what's going on here. And now he's trying to use phone records and he's kind of harassing Elon Musk over at X 
And the irony here, of course, is initially they were they were harassing pre-Elon Twitter uh, to can uh, Trump and to remove him from the platform. And now they're going after Elon Musk and saying, we want all of the stuff that had been previously removed. We want access to all of it. And oh, by the way, here's some phone records. What do you make of all of this? Well, one would say that Jack Smith has gone rogue, but this is exactly what the Biden administration wants him to do. And there's some interesting developments on that front. Now, in looking at his petition to the Supreme Court, keep in mind, Trump has to respond by next week. So they are planning to move this along quickly. This could actually put Jack Smith's prosecution in jeopardy, because keep in mind, if the court, the, the highest court in the land rules against him, if they take this up and they rule against him, then basically his prosecution of Donald Trump is dead on arrival. Now, clearly, Jack Smith feels very confident in going ahead and doing this because he did it, even though it was supposedly, according to um, former DOJ officials and prosecutors that I spoke to, specifically one on my show, The Absolute Truth, um, Katie Sullivan, she she knows that this is this is a potentially very risky move for Jack Smith, uh, they're, they're saying he probably figures, you know, the liberal justices will want to take this up, but which way the court goes, uh, you know, it should be, you know, risky for him, but it doesn't seem he feels that way. But there's another development in the background that is playing out behind this, the scenes that hasn't gotten a lot of attention. There was a complaint filed against Jack Smith at the end of November by a whistleblower, um, this whistleblower suggesting they have very strong evidence that Jack Smith uh, used the means of extortion while he worked for the International Criminal Court. This whistleblower mm. got a response from the DOJ, but in the response, in essence, the DOJ suggested that there's nothing they can do because Jack Smith is not an employee of the DOJ, which is a weird argument to make. And there was a lot of other inconsistencies in this letter from the Department of Justice, but the whistleblower feels that this has something to do with Jack Smith trying to expedite uh, the Trump the Trump uh, issue of uh, you know whether he has immunity, presidential you know immunity, whatever uh, is because that he is in his own jeopardy uh, behind the scenes. Now I don't know, but I think that maybe that is part of it. But this is kind of par for the course for Jack Smith. We saw when he. Um, you know, went after former Virginia Governor Bob McDonald. He just doesn't play within the bounds, right? He yeah. is known to always go outside the bounds. And so that's why Smith was picked for this particular task, because he will do yeah. what he needs to do outside the rule of law. Yeah, he's a hatchet man, and everybody knows it, and he's a partisan yeah. hack. And in that Bob McDonald case, he lost that eight to nothing. One of the justices recused. Uh, and he lost it eight to nothing. He got thrown out on its ass. And of course, it didn't really matter, didn't it? But did it because exactly what he was trying to do, he achieved. He destroyed Bob McDonald. So he chalks it up as a win, even though it was an embarrassment. The media will never shine any attention yeah. onto that because, of course, in this case, the defendant is one Donald John Trump and they all hate him. Um, I wonder, you know, you mentioned that this could actually doom Jack Smith. And I agree, but we know where we know where the the, the liberal justices are going to come down. They're going to come down in yeah. lockstep in favor. I think the question here is, well, you know, is the Chief Justice Roberts? He's a, always a question mark. Frankly, so is uh, Kavanaugh. Kindly lately, 
And as as much as it, it, it pains me to say, there's a couple of other members on the court uh, that are a little bit uh, squishy on stuff like this. Who are you nervous about? Well, I would almost put Chief Justice John Roberts in the liberal group, right? So let's go ahead yeah. and say that he's in that group. Now you have to wonder about the three justices that Trump actually put on the court, right? Because Alito and Thomas are pretty solid, and I don't think they'll go along with this Jack Smith partisan prosecution and what they're trying to do to a former sitting president. And look, this would be a precedent. The court hasn't faced this question, really, right? Because Nixon um, was pardoned before they had to take it up. Yeah. So the court, this is a precedent-setting case, and I think you know Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito will uh, understand the gravity of it. But you have these three justices that had ironically... Donald Trump got onto the court and they're the ones you have to worry about. It's not only Brett Kavanaugh. You also have to wonder what Neil Gorsuch and um, Amy Coney Barrett are going to do because they, they've been wild card cards in so many cases. They went in the direction that if you had been looking at um, their, their, you know, their constitutional philosophy as they were being nominated to the court, you would have said they never would have made that decision. And they've, surprised a lot of people and disappointed a lot of conservatives. I think Steve, and this might, gosh, I always don't like the president of this and I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, but if I was going to bet, I would bet you have a couple of them, two of the three side with the liberal justices on this. Oh boy. Howdy. I would be more and, shocked the other way. Yeah. Well, and if I was going to guess those two, I would say definitely chief justice Roberts he is a cocktail yeah. justice. I mean, he likes to go to those parties. He likes to see his name in print, especially in the New York Times. Uh, I think Gorsuch is probably a little bit more solid. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett is just an absolute shock to me, I, especially given the fight that she had to go through and how conservatives rallied to her side. I guess Justice Roberts has just taken her under his wing and kind of said, let me tell you, kid, this is how we do things here. I don't know. This is going to be fraught with all kinds of tension. And if they come down where you have to have Alito uh, and Clarence Thomas writing a, a dissent opinion on this, God, can you imagine the shockwaves? I mean, <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, that's just outrageous. Now, let's, I think let's it would be an excoriating dissent, dissent opinion if it comes to that. And, and, and speaking to the motivations between behind Amy Coney Barrett and Brad Kavanaugh, I think that the pressure in the corporate media and probably pressure that's not even just the corporate media has gotten to them. I think that they, this is my own personal opinion, but having covered it and then covered, I covered all of their confirmation. I was yeah. there every single one of their announcements at the White House. Um, I feel as if they act out of fear that the public pressure campaign, the Democrat pressure campaign has worked on them. Well, it's time we turn that around and get a little conservative pressure. I mean, this is just getting yeah. just outrageous. I guess we're going to wait and see. Uh, Jack Smith, as far as I'm concerned, is a pariah. Uh, and I think that he is an absolute, I, I think he's a, a criminal. Uh, he's not a criminal prosecutor. He's yeah. a criminal. Um, let's let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about January 6th, because I saw your latest, uh, uh, your latest uh, interview with Steve Baker from Blaze concerning some of the events about January 6th, specifically about a letter that was written apparently at the behest of Jamie Raskin by a Capitol Police officer, Dunn, 
Why don't you shed some light on that? Because this is kind of stunning. Yeah, and Steve Baker, um, if you're not, if your audience isn't familiar with his work, he's an independent journalist who is now contributing to The Blaze. He has done amazing work on this and, and he's been dogged about the research and confirmation. And that's why some of it's taken a while to come out. He also had to work with the speakers, the speaker's office to release some of the footage that he released, specifically footage that showed that um, um, special agent with the Capitol Police, uh, David Lazarus, had lied under oath. And he was the point person on Nancy Pelosi's detail. Now, this is the latest because it, it the lies just continue to come out. And Steve has done an excellent job of exposing this. Steve Baker found that Dr. I mean, excuse me, Officer Harry Dunn, he's one of those iconic faces that was, you know, one of the three major faces for the Capitol Police of the, you know, sham January 6th committee. He was the one who was behind this supposed letter from the Capitol Police talking about January 6th and, you know, how terrible this was for them. And it, the letter was presented in the media as um, a letter of unity from the Capitol Police. But it turns out it was literally just Do uh, Officer Harry Dunn acting on his own accord, accord with no communication with his supervisors. He even used official Capitol Police letterhead. But what's even more egregious about it is that he did it in conjunction with Jamie Raskin's office, who mm. was clearly, you know, the main guy, a Democrat guy on the January 6th committee. But also, and I think this is particularly damning for the media, um, there were several female reporters in the Capitol press pool. So like I was in the White House press pool. Some of those reporters sitting in there helped him craft it. Harry oh, Young boy. had written that on his own, as but, we know. Um, we've already talked. They did it, and they never disclosed it, and they ran with it in their publications. Oh, boy. Emerald, do me a favor. Hold on one sec. I want to pick up right there because this is I mean, this is the tangled web. We've got to take a headline. Yeah. We come back, and we'll pick it up there, and, and, and we'll get your opinion on where it's going. Uh, you're watching State of the Nation on TNT Radio. My guest is Emerald Robinson, and after this headline, we'll be right back with more. We do have some big news. Listen up. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The U.S. Department of Justice recently announced the arrest of Tyler Anderson, a 30-year-old resident of Dover, New Hampshire, for issuing threats against Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy and others planning to attend a campaign event in the state. Special Counsel Jack Smith has indicated plans to possibly introduce data analysts as expert witnesses in an upcoming trial in Washington, D.C. related to the federal election case involving former President Donald Trump. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Okay, we're back with State of the Nation, and our guest is Emerald Robinson from The Absolute Truth with Emerald Robinson on Frank's speech. Emerald, okay, I want to uh, kind of really clue the the, the listeners and, and the viewers into what we're talking about here. You have a Capitol Police officer named Harry Dunn. He has now been contacted. Apparently, he was probably asking some questions anyway about all this. And Scuttlebutt was going back and forth between him and I guess maybe some House uh, uh, members. And in comes Jamie Raskin. And Jamie Raskin says, hey, why don't you write a letter 
that, that will help us launch this January 6th commission. Is that, is that, is that about right? And so he it on is. his own officer done on his own. And of course we've got to remember this happens in the backdrop of the cap, the former Capitol uh, police chief resigning uh, because he realized kind of forced into resignation uh, because he was basically saying, listen, man, we needed help. We asked for help. And then of course we find out that, Pelosi said no to the National Guard. Uh, so did uh, the mayor of D.C. Uh, uh, Mosley said no to the to the National Guard. So Harry Dunn is looking to write a letter at the behest of Raskin, and that did exactly. And of course, you mentioned these three reporters. So, so what did that? What did that? What did the effect of that letter have? What what effect did it have? <laughs> Excuse me. Well. It- basically put a public justification for the January 6th commission to to be in place. Um, it, it also furthered the narrative that this was such a, you know, bad, violent, violent act on the part of Trump supporters. And they specifically make it, you know, Trump supporters. They suggest that there was, you know, death that day, which we know is one of the narratives that persisted, though it was not true, of the Capitol Police, right? They always say it was Officer Brian Sicknick that died that day, but we now know for a fact that he did not die till the next day, and it was actually listed as natural causes, I believe, stroke. But this was the, the a letter that further furthered that narrative. But look, like I said, Ca- Capitol press pool members, they were all female, helped him to craft this letter that was never disclosed. And as they went on themselves and and reported on it, while they had been part of the crafting of this letter, that was never disclosed. Also, what was not disclosed is that uh, Officer Harry Dunn actually was reprimanded for his action in writing that letter. He received received disciplinary action. Now, I don't know specifically what what, what that is. I do suspect in talking to Steve Baker that we will probably see that disciplinary report in the very near future. Uh, And I think it'll be very telling, but also Officer Dunn had had several uh, disciplinary actions taken against him prior to the January 6th commission. Now, I'm not privy to all those and, you know, Steve Baker will be reporting on all this, but none of that was disclosed. As he was mm-hmm. testifying, and and you remember how they held him as up with an officer with such character who really, really, you know, took his job and his oath seriously. And then not only was only he on the January sixth commission, he was um, testifying. He was also constantly in the media, particularly on CNN, telling the same kind of story and appealing to the public and and, and being the emotional public face for Americans in order to justify a the commission, but also what they're doing to the January 6th defendants. And, and Harry, Harry Dunn's already been caught lying under oath because not only was did he testify at the January 6th committee hearings, he also went and testified in January 6th defendant trials where his testimony contradicts recent re, recently released video, especially as it relates to the Oath Keepers and their interaction with him. Remember, they said they were trying to help him he initially said that, then he recanted and said they weren't, that they were antagonistic. He also served, a, he wrote character letters in order to get longer sentences for oh, January 6th defendants. So, so in other words, guy, it sound, it, yeah, it's, it, sounds to, it sounds to me like Harry Dunn was trying to, for one, cover his own ass, and for two, kind of burnish his reputation 
knowing I, I, I say this for him, he kind of sensed which way the political winds were blowing. So he was trying to burnish his reputation with those people that are in, in charge. Unbelievable. Emerald Robinson, listen, thank you uh, for giving us some time today. Uh, Emerald TV, Emerald.TV, still up and running. Uh, Emerald Robinson yeah. can be at Emerald Robinson on X. And don't forget the absolute truth with Emerald Robinson on frankspeech.com. Emerald Robinson, as always, it's great to see you. Thank you for giving us some time today. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Okay. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. You're listening to State of the Nation on TNT Radio. That was Emerald Robinson. We take a quick break. We come back. Our next guest will be Dustin Olson, and we're going to be talking all about the polls coming up on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. A few weeks ago, I wrote an article in CFACT about how people completely missed the true meaning of those storms that were blasting the UK three to four weeks ago. While they screamed climate change, climate change, climate change and warming, they were blind to the fact that this was indicating the pattern was going to change and that Europe was going to turned cold and snowy and a bit earlier than normal. So now they claim everybody is surprised for one and for two, naturally they're blaming warming. Well, guess what? There's a lot of rain going into Western Europe now and it's quite warm. Wait till you see what's going to be like two to three weeks from now. Now, if you say, Joe, how are you telling us this? Why doesn't everybody know? It's because no one bothers looking anymore. Experts are now saying that a sign of a warming world is more snow. Now, wait a minute. 25 years ago, they said the opposite. And yet, when I was in third grade, my dad gave me a weather book because he knew I was into it. It was an entire chapter on why it would snow more if the earth started getting warmer. It means there's more water vapor in the air. And even though it warms up in some places, it doesn't warm up enough. So if there's more water vapor and it's still below 32, it's going to snow more. That was taught also in college back in the 1970s. So here we go again with people coming out with these ideas when they can't explain what's going on because they have absolutely no knowledge of what actually happens with the weather. They don't forecast it. And who do they blame? Warming. This is a scam and a sham. And the more I read about it, the more I try to be nice and look at the other side of the position, the more I realize this has nothing to do with climate or weather. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, uh, well, the polls are scaring the Democrats, and for good reason. With each and every recent poll, the Democrats and the media uh, and members of the DNC are becoming more and more antsy about Slow Joe's chances. Uh, the question is, are they trying to push him out, and is it too late? Joining us to discuss all this, pollster Dustin Olson. He also uh, works with the American Pulse Research uh, and Polling. He's the host of the Political Trade Secrets podcast, Political Strategist. 
and Olson Strategies and Advertising, and we welcome Dustin to the program. Hello, Dustin. Good to see you again, brother. How are you, man? It's great. Great to be here, Steve, and uh, and I'm looking forward to talking about this and whatever else we're going to talk about. Yeah, we'll we'll just kind of go where the wind takes us, the political winds in this case. I got to tell you, this past week has been uh, a horrible week for the Biden administration on multiple fronts. Uh, the least of which can't, you know, we can't overlook is the polls. The polls are in the crapper. And, and you know it's bad because whenever they start talking about polls, especially bad polls, they always say, they always preface it with, well, this is just a snap, that snapshot in time. And there's plenty of, uh, plenty of time between now and the election. But as I'm looking at the real clear politics average, I mean, goodness gracious, right now, uh, Trump is at 36.3, Biden is at 30. Uh, that's outside the margin of error. And then if you look at some of the GOP national polls, I mean, Trump is that he is the nominee. I don't care how much money they throw at Nikki Haley uh, or how much DeSantis tries to save his faltering campaign. Trump is at 60.5. DeSantis yeah. is number two at 12.5. Haley right there on his tail at 12.3. Now, these are real clear political uh, poll averages. So, you know, you can find what you like if you if you kind of pick and choose. But the bottom line is none of them are good for Biden and all of them seem to be very good for Trump. Am I reading those polls right? Well, I would agree with that. And it's interesting. So one of the reasons why I started a polling company is I wanted to be able to actually look at the numbers myself and have no filter between the American people and myself. And our own polls within the Republican primary have President Trump at 61% and has actually 70% of Republican primary voters saying that he is effectively the nominee. So as I read it, it's, it's basically done. And it's interesting when you talk about the Democrats and, you know, anybody who who's out there, this is kind of the way I guess technocrats are these days is that they, they cry democracy while they're doing very anti-democratic things. And it's interesting. Last summer we'd do surveys and we'd found that Democrats were solidly behind Joe Biden and there was really no room for a primary. Uh, and with Republicans, there's a little bit of opening for, for a primary at that time. But now fast forward to today, I just gave you the numbers for the Republican primary. It is, it's basically done. And then on the other side, it's interesting. In our last survey, we had 36% of Democrat primary voters uh, definitely want Joe Biden. So, you know, just a little bit over a third. That's really shocking for a sitting president. And 35%, a little bit more than 35% say they they want somebody else. And then when we do a hypothetical primary with Joe Biden, it's uh, he gets about 30, low 30s. And we have Gavin Newsom at seven, 17%. And most interestingly, Kamala Harris, 1%. Barely one percent, actually. So <laughs> that's what Democrats think. Yeah, <laughs> and, so. and you know this 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 uh, election season is a little bit odd because you effectively have we effectively have two incumbents. We have incumbent Biden, uh, who you say a year ago the Democrats were like he's our guy. We're riding with Biden, and yep. Trump. God, I, I'm so glad he's gone. Oh, what a difference a year makes, because now we see on every by every metric, Biden is just kind of stumbling and bumbling his way uh, through his hopefully first and only term. And people are starting to reevaluate Trump, I think. And I think that yeah. uh, is that what you're seeing? It seems to me that people are, th are looking at Trump and saying, 
I may not like the guy. I may not like his personality. He's a little bit braggadocious. He's a little bit, uh, you know, a little rough around the edges for me. But by God, his policies were better than what we're experiencing. Is, is that is that kind of what you're being told? Yeah, that, that's a great point. I'm going to actually go to the Wall Street Journal poll that came out in the last week. I've, I've looked over it. And um, one of the things I thought was re- really interesting is only 23% of voters feel Biden's policies have helped them, while 53% feel hurt by his agenda. And, uh, you know, I get a kick out of, you know, some of the fun and funny stuff that uh, Donald Trump does, but a lot of voters do view some of it as chaotic, um, but they generally really do like the policies and it has only gotten better over time. And uh, one thing I've seen over and over, we did a couple of polls. If you want to talk about some of the, the other ones we've done recently, we did a West Virginia Senate Republican primary poll. We did a New York City national uh, or it's New York City um, general election poll, as well as a Democratic primary poll, which has some interesting things. But one thing that I've seen across the board and then our last national poll is that border security is becoming a really big issue. Uh, right now, Joe Biden's disapproval tracks his um, his disapproval on the economy, but the disapproval of him on border security and people's concerns that last time I was on, we talked about this a little bit, the Americans do see that the open border could have a direct link to China, to drug cartels, to terrorists, uh, actively using our open border, our broken border, and actively using that to uh, to harm this country. And people saw that in, in a remarkable amount of time, I would say that most voters probably didn't think it was possible to secure the border in the time frame that it, it took in uh, the Trump years, and then how fast it took months to break the border and how those that, that has really uh, shifted, as well as something we actually asked about recently was uh, the Abraham Accords. 67% of Americans um, approve of Donald Trump's handling of that. And then we see now a war in, in, in Israel. And it's uh, people just, you go issue after issue, people can just yeah. look to tangible things. Yeah, and, it, and, and it's pretty easy to compare and contrast now. Uh, it, it would be one thing if you could say, well, you know, the uh, the border kind of sucks, but at least the economy's good. Or yeah. uh, the economy kind of sucks, but you know what? The border's secure, and at least we're not in any foreign entanglements. But <laughs> for Joe Biden, he can't point to anything. I mean, he can't point no. to anything. Uh, yeah, it it's really like is- uh, well, I said in, in the op-ed that we talked about last time is that it's like he he as he's going into the White House, he lit a dumpster fire, and that is that's people's view that the world's more dangerous, that they that their money goes even less. Um, far than it used to. By the way, I think you know there's been some messaging in the media about how the economic indicators are getting a little bit better. You know, we have really low un- unemployment and that inflation rate has reduced. But the problem is, you're paying how much more for a carton of eggs? How much more for milk? How much more for yeah. a gallon of gas? And really, Joe Biden is running against the, the gas pump and the grocery store. People are constantly reminded every single day about the difference in cost of things since they that they were even years ago, even if it's gotten a little bit better in the last year, like the Thanksgiving dinner. Um, 
over the last year is actually a little bit better this year. However, in my own experience at Thanksgiving, you know, people were talking about it as though it's it was a lot more expensive because compared to three years ago, it's a lot more expensive. So I think he just has constant, you're constantly reminded of the failures of this administration and Democrats are starting to peel off. One interesting thing from the Wall Street Journal poll, younger Americans, 35 and younger are more um, concerned about the economic situation than those who are older. And, you know, a lot of them have never been through any kind of inflation like we have in the last few years. So it's understandable. And a lot of people, the economic activity that's happening is happening on debt, which my contention, this is something for us to test in future surveys, is that is going to additionally have people unnerved. They might be able to take care of things now, but they're, they're really borrowing from the future. Yeah, and, and which also, of course, explains why Joe is trying to throw him a lifeline on these student loans. He's going yep. around the Supreme Court to do that. I don't think it's going to work, but uh, he's going to he's going to do anything he can at this point. Um, let me ask you this, Dustin: Is this are Biden's numbers? Do you think, and of if, if your numbers, of your own polling numbers, mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, pointed to the fact that this is going to affect the down ticket as well? I mean. Uh, because Biden is, is, is sinking and I don't see him getting, it's not like he's going to magically cognitively become better. It's not like his policies are going to change. So is this going to affect the down ticket as well? Do you think? That's a really great question. I would suggest that, uh, I don't know. And of of course it's going to have an impact. Everything at the top of the ticket is going to have an impact down ticket, but I would go to the expect the unexpected, you know, there's in, in any given state, there might be unique things going on. In some places, the the abortion issue is still going to have an impact. Some places that are close to the border. You saw Katie Hobbs, Governor Katie Hobbs in Arizona yesterday speaking out against the Biden administration. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things happening down ballot based on the local politics. So, I mean, it's in, it's anybody's guess in both the both presidents. Donald Trump and Joe Biden, they have their own unique things that uh, are going on. Like Donald Trump definitely wins over people who aren't Republicans. And he also turns away some Republicans. So how's that going to have an impact? Joe Biden, same thing. He's, He's the most progressive president ever. And yet there are a lot of younger people who find him repugnant. So it's who knows? I mean, it's very interesting. It is very, it's very, very interesting. We were talking, uh, at the top of the hour with my news producer, uh, Adam Clark, and he brought up a story which is very telling, if you ask me. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson is now suing private bus companies for bringing wow. illegals into Chicago. So he's not going to he's not going to the White House and bitching. Uh, like yep. Eric Adams, you know, he went to the White House last week. He came back to New York. And I live on the Jersey Shore, so I'm, a, you know, right there in the metro. And he came back and he said, help is not on the way. So the <laughs> Biden administration and the Democrats are turning a blind eye to the border to their own detriment, especially given what's going on with Vladimir Zelensky in D.C. these days. And we need billions more. And the Republicans seem to be holding fast on that. I know that you're just you're a pollster and you're not really a news analyst per se on this. But well, maybe you are. Let me put it to you this way. How badly do you think the border crisis is hurting the Democrat brand because they seemingly are more concerned with Ukraine's border than they are our border? 
Yeah. So there's so much to, to really digest on this. I recommend people go to pollingclub.com. We have a couple of surveys that really dive deep into this on Ukraine spending, on all the emergency aid stuff, on the border, um, on the New York City survey that we just did that really gets into this, going to what you're talking about with Chicago. Fascinating things we found out about New York City, um, which I'll tell you about in a second, but people can go to pollingclub.com to get all that polling for free. Um, but the New York City poll blew my mind. We talked to the general election voters um, by a plurality. They said they wanted municipal candidates who opposed illegal immigration and would protect New York City taxpayers um, over people who are going to further the city's sanctuary city policies. That's that's something that's new based on the migrant crisis. And then we asked this question of Democrat primary voters in the city. Would you be more likely to vote for Andrew Cuomo, the disgraced former governor, or would you vote for the current mayor, Eric Adams? And by a 20-point margin, Andrew Cuomo wins that primary. And it just blows my mind, but that's how unpopular Eric Adams has become because of the migrant crisis and how much that city has shifted because of it. So it is reaching deep into the country. And yes, uh, Democrats have have held a pay. And I would suggest, I mentioned earlier that there's some people who have concerns with the, the chaos that's perceived around President Trump. I think for any Republican to go out there and to, to turn it back onto the Democrats, there is real chaos in the world because of the weakness of the, the Biden administration. We actually yeah. we asked this question in our last poll. Do you believe that the failure in Afghanistan led to the invasion of Ukraine? And did that all that lead then to the attack on Israel? And the majority, a strong majority of Americans believe that it did. So that's chaos on the world stage. And people are very clear there's chaos on the border. It's causing chaos in our communities. There is actual real world chaos, chaos in people's pocketbooks. And that's real world chaos, not not mean tweets. I mean, that's yeah, that's a completely yeah. different thing. Exactly right. And I and I and I suspect that it's yeah, th th this whole your New York poll proves one thing, if nothing else, that it's real easy to to virtue signal. But mm -hmm. when you're actually asked to step up and show virtue uh, by uh, by saying, oh, we're really a sanctuary city. We're going to give up our third bedroom to this family of immigrants. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not. No, the hell they're not. Uh, they're going to. They're gonna, I think it's just so funny that the, 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 the disaster of the Democrats may be the saving grace of Cuomo. I just find the, uh, there's irony in there. It, the jokes write themselves. Dustin Olson, before we let you go, let's get the website again. I know you're on at Dustin Olson on X. What's the website that we can uh, we can find all these interesting surveys? Yeah, so if you want to want to be on our mailing list, you want to be able to help us decide what we talk about in our polls, what we what we cover, go to pollingclub.com. That's pollingclub.com, and you can join the polling club and uh, get all this stuff for free, as well as let us know what you'd like us to to look into. Right on. Okay, Dustin Olson, thank you so much, man. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again Absolutely. real soon. Thanks, Steve. Have a wonderful day. You got it. Take care. <laughs> there he goes. That's Dustin Olson. You're listening to State of the Nation. We've got another hour to go, and Hesher joins us coming up next on TNT Radio.